Hey everyone, John and Andrew here. Welcome to the podcast. On today's episode, the origin of Coco Jones, the calling of the art, and you have to show up. This is Obstacle Course. Here we go. Now, Andrew, you kind of admitted to the artist that we just uh, interviewed that me and you are not artists at all and have zero talent. Yeah, I thought you might go this direction. I, I like it. Um, no, I was I was never good. She talks about how as a child she was creating art for her teachers in grade four and i i couldn't even finger paint at that point i don't think (laughs) oh my gosh i mean i i I try and i can't even play pictionary with my artistic family Mm -hmm. um they're they're my dog looks like uh, a decapitated sheep yeah Uh, it's it's brutal yeah she coco spoke of the call like the the pieces of art come to her and are almost in her mind yeah, before she, she like even opens her eyes the in the morning. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so I guess that's the difference between an artist and someone <laughs> like us. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> how do I draw a four-legged dog and make it look normal? But exactly. But that being said, I have come um, in the last five years or so to really appreciate art. And it was one of those things where I kind of wanted to appreciate art, but I just wouldn't know what to look for. And maybe that was part of the problem as, as we learned in this conversation. Art, the art almost speaks to you and it almost calls to you as opposed to just, you know, trying to do, like, do research to, to find out which paintings are the best so then you can go look at it and have an experience. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Um, there's intuition there. And, and, and so Angie and I were in Quebec a couple of years ago. And Angie had said, um, she, I mean, she's an artist. Uh, she creates, she can paint, she can do anything with her hands, honestly. And, and her big thing is she wanted to bring, pa- bring back a piece of local art from Quebec. And of course, I was excited. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we had frequented many galleries. And, and it, was, it was so cool because over that week, we got to know sort of some, of some of the local artists and where they're selling and just their process. And it was really cool. And But we just hadn't found that one that spoke to both of us because often the one that she would connect with and and, and perhaps even feel an emotional connection to, I'd feel kind of nothing and I'd feel bad. I'd be like, I I don't know. It just doesn't speak to me. It actually makes me feel a little like agitated, that picture. (laughs) And and she's like, oh, so interesting. And then I would like point to her something that like with tears in my eyes, I'd be like, wow, this is powerful. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it was was cool, you know, but we just kind of found that one thing. So it was literally the morning we were, we're, we're going to fly out. Um, At the airport. Yeah, morning we are going to fly out. <laughs> we're kind of heading to the airport. And we saw a sign on the road that said, you know, that we, they're all over the place, but local artists, Arrow. And Angie's like, oh, just let's go one more before the airport. And we're like, I looked at the time. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Okay, okay, let's go one more time. So we just drove in and it was like off the main road, kind of wo- wove around and then I'm, then we just sort of ended up on this private residence. And I'm like, is this the right place? We feel like we're invading it. We, we get there. And, and it was once again, we got out, sort of knock on the door. And it was like, are we are we supposed to be here? And this um, elderly lady opened up the door. And we're like, uh, yeah, we were looking for someone. Oh, yes. You know, she had a friend, French accent, which I'm not going to imitate for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, she brought us in. And there was our, you know, just hanging, just humbly everywhere i mean it was just like such a real cool experience and in that place we found a piece that we both instantly fell in love with the guy was an italian painter and he was such a reclusive artist that he he barely could even come out and say hello Hmm. even though we wanted to like talk to him about his process and everything but he did like chat with us and anyways we ended up buying it and almost missed our plane i mean (laughs) literally almost missed a plane 
And Angie just held it the whole time. Like cool. we couldn't pack it and she carried it all the way home and it's up on our thing. And that was our first piece of actual art that we bought. That's not from like freaking Costco or Winners, which by the <laughs> way, folks, that's not art. <laughs> Until you bought from like a house in Quebec or in the middle of nowhere or in the Couch and Valley or, you know, somewhere in, on the island, you, you haven't really bought real art. But, but And you know what cool. makes art is uh, when someone else tells you it's art. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally not true. Yeah, um, no, it's not. But, you know, someone might have a similar experience at Winners, but um, maybe not. <laughs> it's it, That's the cool thing about art is it's so much about interpretation and perspective exactly. and, and one's relationship with, with a piece or, or whatever it might be. And, I mean, someone could even argue that what we're creating on the podcast is art. Oh, absolutely. We wouldn't argue that? No. <laughs> But someone might. Yeah, and we wouldn't disagree with them. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it, it, this is a, a conversation that very much delves into the definition of art, uh, Coco's own experience and her life interwoven with art and, and how it shaped her and, and how she has um, created a, amazing pieces um, that, that speak to a lot of people. And in, including us, she even, even brought us a, a little a little something uh, a gift which which we are incredibly grateful for so um we will in turn give this gift of this amazing conversation with coco to you listeners thanks for being here and uh and keep creating enjoy folks well i think we're uh we're ready to get going so okay coco jones Welcome to the podcast. We're excited to have you here. And I just wanted to say thank you for having a, a fun and easily pronounceable name because that's not always the case. <laughs> that's really why you're on the episode. Yeah. Like you got the coolest sounding name that's in true. history. Sorry, the rest of the guests, but <laughs> Coco wins the name yeah. lottery. And, yeah. and first I quite, question. I quite like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Has anyone called you Cuckoo? They've called me every fucking terrible name <laughs> that rhymes with Coco. I'm sure. From the time I was little. Oh, I'm sure. Those those little bastards that I was in kindergarten with just took the piss out of my name as much as they could. And you've forgiven them, right? I did. I did. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> so I'm a bit of a grudge holder. It, so okay. it, it was a given name then. It was um my my mom and dad had called me that from birth. Mm. And then it doesn't match what's on my birth certificate, but that's gonna be changed this year mm. for my 50th that's what i decided i'm mm. gonna be doing and i just had my birthday not that long ago nice yeah cool and i know you've, you've always said on your 50th you wanted to appear on a local podcast <laughs> so <laughs> that was you're welcome <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're like make a wish foundation <laughs> yeah, we pretty much are <laughs> oh man <laughs> Oh, the yeah. wishes that no one ever had. <laughs> so listen, you don't knock this kind of shit. Everything helps. Yeah. Sharing stories really helps everybody. Totally. Yeah. Don't you can't judge any any anything anymore. You just have to keep plugging along and hope that what you're doing makes some kind of sense, right? Well, and we started this because we were interested in the stories. Mm -hmm. Like if mm -hmm. we figured, oh, if we're super interested, maybe other people will be. Even if not, mm -hmm. we we've learned so much over like seventy interviews. Mm -hmm. So many fascinating 70 people. Seventy now, almost seventy. Holy, yeah, mm -hmm. that's really yeah. great, you guys. Thanks. Honestly, the tenacity yeah. to hang on, yeah, is amazing. Well, and that's like it's season good. one. Yeah, yeah, oh we're, just we're just getting going. We're just getting going, man. That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
but it's like it's like an art yes you know you do oh, yeah. it because you believe in it it's a value of yours and you're passionate about it yeah mm-hmm. exactly and if someone yeah you just hang on yeah holy shit yeah and you, you just hang on i think we'll be like um you know the van goghs of the world and like so. 50 years after our death we'll be huge celebrities <laughs> for the podcast Okay, yeah. I yeah. thought you were going a different direction with that. <laughs> like, we'll start cutting, cutting. off ears. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys already looked into Spotify? Putting it on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Are we're, you really? Yeah. We're everywhere. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. everywhere. You will soon be on Spotify, Coco. Sure. Um, yeah, we do have. We will. Uh, we will say hello to Enya. Yeah. In the in the corner here, <laughs> there is another human here. <laughs> yeah. Um, just uh, observing. Um, sh- taking notes, probably providing mom with feedback no, just, for, for yeah. later on. Just like. <laughs> making the don't talk about that. <laughs> yeah exactly she's my, the, li- she's my little croissant cool. my little croissant in the corner yeah so nice. um one place we wanted to start was with a bit of a because we haven't actually had a lot of uh, a lot of artists mm-hmm. on the podcast before so a question that i had um was about defining art from your own mm. perspective and a couple of definitions that i found were one was Paul Gauguin who said that art is a mad search for individualism Mm -hmm. and then Andy Warhol said that art is anything you can get away with Mm -hmm. so well he was probably talking about how much he could steal without getting in trouble for (laughs) and um what was the Gauguin one again oh mad um, search for individualism oh Mm. absolutely yeah yeah we all I think artists long to be original in some way right in some way in some form to to stick out but there's there's none of us none of us visual artists or uh, visual artists or or painters that that didn't learn from the likes of Gauguin Mm -hmm. you know we all we all took art history we all had to learn um from the masters and unfortunately women weren't overly represented then Mm -hmm. i think that that will start to change and then um there'll be more voices from women and that's just what i i that's all i've intended was to be a strong voice for women in art and i don't think that i knew that that's what i was doing at the time just having the tenacity not to give up Mm -hmm. especially when i was diagnosed with ms that was that was really tricky when i was 42 but Mm -hmm. um, and then i had been dealing with it from from about 2004 i had um debilitating symptoms then but they couldn't find any uh scar tissue on my brain every time i went for scans so it just seemed like you're completely insane Mm. you know i would Mm. go to the doctors with all these complaints and ailments and it just seemed like i was a hypochondriac right and that they you know they i they don't believe you either they're just and and then you're just like well i have to sort this shit out and figure it out for myself mm-hmm. then i now i want to get i definitely want to touch on this part of the journey but if we can kind of head back and yeah time a little for sure further. sorry I didn't no, no it's okay that was a trailer that. for the later conversation <laughs> yeah I never it's apologize you're, okay. you're not doing anything wrong no. um yeah you just you just say what what is on your mind mm-hmm. so in terms of the beginning of your journey with mm-hmm. art I recall on our first conversation, you saying, um, when, we, when we had our intro call, mm-hmm. um, you saying that the teachers referred to it as artists kind yeah. of before you even considered yourself one. Yes. So at, at what point 
did did maybe other people begin to start appreciating your talents or even just your interest? Grade three. Wow. Yeah. I, I did, um, I did a project that had like, I, I, I wrote and, and drew all the hieroglyphics. (laughs) It was very advantageous for such a little being, but when I was obsessed about things, I went right deep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, um, in grade four, there was a beautiful teacher, um, that gifted me calligraphy pens and I would do work for the teachers all the time. Hmm. So I didn't know how profoundly helpful that was when I was little, but I really, I really like when I looked back, I was like, Oh shit, I was, I've been supported as soon as pretty much as soon as I could pick up a pen, you know, which is pretty great. You know, it seems like it's almost a compulsion mm-hmm. to do art and make art. Mm-hmm. Um, if you it, ask my family and how I take up the entire yeah, house, right? <laughs> my husband tries to keep it contained. And then yeah. once things come, the whole house gets taken Absolutely. over. You know? yeah. And I follow the light, <laughs> the best light. Right. Yeah. The best light. Right. Yeah. So it's something you can't not do. I can't not. Do. And so take us into that. Take us into the compulsion. And maybe your first, like, because we're back at the beginning, like when you first kind of noticed that compulsion and how that started showing up. What did that feel like? Yeah. I think the first thing that I, I got, um, I had to do this giant Mary painting for something in Catholicism. And I remember how much I, it was holy to me, like mm-hmm. not just painting her on this really terrible paint paper <laughs> with really disgusting paints. Um, it was the feeling that I got from doing that. Mm-hmm. And and that's like um, almost a conduit to the divine. So I noticed that like, yeah, right, right. And it, it just took me away from all my pain and, and suffering, you know. Yeah. What, what kind of pain and suffering was that at, at, uh, a, at an well, early age? Uh, that time, especially, I had um, I had endured sexual abuse from one of my uncles, and he was he wasn't he was like five years older than me. But I was um, how that showed itself was me being over focused on school, like absolute perfectionist right right? and Mm -hmm. so that no one would know what i had what i had endured by him and because i was in a roman catholic school as Mm -hmm. well i didn't i didn't want them to know like i didn't want them to know how unholy i -hmm. was and that so as long as i i kept praying to mary and jesus and like i would go to church by myself in the mornings and you know I was fanatical and and I think that in a way it was beneficial because that fanaticism it opened me up to so much great divine like I've had some wild divine things I've experienced some pretty wild divinity Hmm. and um, I was worried that my mom and dad if they found out that they would abandon me like that was the threat that Hmm that he he posed to me like he was quite manipulative and and knew that um 
the way to get me to keep my mouth shut was to threaten that if they found out that um, they would release me. And there's no greater fear, you know, for children than to disappoint their parents and and have that happen. Did you feel like you're damaged goods? Yeah, I felt like I was unworthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and what I know even now, like um, MS itself, I think all diseases kind of have an emotional component to them, and this is one that I've been. I've been really having to go deeply into and uh, unpack a lot. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, the time's up thing that was going on. There's so much that, you know, you think, I'm done. I'm finally free. I've finally dealt with all my shit. And there's always something that Another layer it. of shit. Another layer, yeah. 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 Another ridiculous layer. Mm-hmm. How long did you live with that fear um, of, of not being able to share that? that deep dark i think i came out to my parents when i was 17 Mm. and um i had had i had a a boyfriend um at that time that's sister-in-law had horrific sexual abuse and learning her story and i thought well mine isn't nearly as bad so maybe i should I should, and she's like, you need to tell your your mom. You need to let your family know, and you need to let them know so that other people in your family aren't getting affected and targeted by this man. And that was the hardest thing I think mm-hmm. I've ever had to mm-hmm. say with my outside voice, for sure. Well, and especially you, you described uh, one of your reactions to this was trying to become perfect. Oh. So people yeah. didn't know. And yeah. we actually just spoke about it on a previous episode um, about how perfection is the great escape mm-hmm. from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's, it's if, if we can only get everything just right, then mm-hmm. maybe we don't have to come face to face with the um, imperfection that we yeah. know we have and, and we all have. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, I, I think it's a subtle shift, mm-hmm. but once you realize what you're doing, it's like, Oh my God. Well, you talked about the creative compulsion. Yes. Um, that compulsion probably was woken up at those times because I I needed to find uh, an avenue to stay sane Mm -hmm. from, you know, I needed some sanity and I needed to know that I was worthy and I needed to know that I wasn't going to go to hell and, Mm -hmm. and that God would still love me and that I'd still be accepted by my family. And, um, it didn't exactly unravel as well as I'd hoped, but at least I didn't lose the love of my mom and my dad Mm -hmm. for sure. They were, they were shocked and deeply affected by yeah. it, for sure. And I think that it still echoes in my parents today. Hmm. How, they, how they are, it still echoes in how they are. Which makes me um, more gentle with them, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I'd fucking kill anybody who came near my kids. Yeah. I yeah. would. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've done different... <laughs> I failed in different ways with my children, but at least that way, I think we're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I know um, another thing you mentioned when you were maybe around that age or, or a little bit older, um, your dad told you that artists starve and lawyers have money. <laughs> uh, do, you, yeah. do you want to give some context for that, uh, that comment? Yeah. Or, or maybe it came up often? No, yeah. be, because... Um, 
I was so academically inclined, he had big dreams for me. So he expected me to be a lawyer or a doctor. And the more it was showing that I was going to be an artist, I think the deeper he got disappointed in that. Right. So, I mean, it was just, it's just how he was raised as well. You know, like his dad was, um, was a bricklayer from, for Stelco for forever. And he built his, you know, his dad built their house and all that kind of stuff. So he, he really needed for me to, he knew my potential, I think. And he really wanted me to just go as hard as, as I could. But uh, there was other callings, unfortunately. It took so much courage, for sure, because you've already talked about how important it was for you to make sure your your parents saw you a certain way, mm-hmm. right? I think and all so, of us want our folks to I think so yeah. to love us and yeah. and to be proud of us. Right? Yeah. I feel like that that's probably why we all strive for these ridiculous things. Right. Is you know, is this enough? Are you, are you proud enough hmm. now? Like, mm-hmm. you know, no, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so to, to choose that shows a lot of courage, but, but also I just think that's not most people's story. Mm-hmm. Most people just do what they're expected, what they feel people expect them to do. And there's that, yeah. there's that quote about the, you know, joy or fulfillment, fulfillment comes from mm-hmm. doing what you want as opposed to doing what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. And, and so how did you at an early age decide, no, 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 I'm going to go the way that my heart wants? Mm-hmm. Well, my grades started to slip okay. out of the perfect A's and things like that by high school. I really, I didn't struggle. I had lots of extracurriculars. I love sports and um, volleyball and basketball and all that good stuff. Nice. Loved it. Nice. Love that stuff. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I really love that stuff. I'm running, long distance running. That's why I'm keen for the ultra marathons. <laughs> like... I love all that stuff. Nice. Yeah, the Moab and oh man, oh, I love that. Have you read the book Born to Run? No, not yet. Oh my gosh, yeah, it's Ugh. a game changer. It's a runner's mm-hmm. runner's paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to reread that. Yeah, it's it's fantastically written too. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it it blends um, human evolution yeah. with uh, physiology mm-hmm. and actual like running form with some great storytelling. Oh. Um, it's super inspiring. It's a great mm-hmm. book all about barefoot running and then this mm-hmm. tribe and, and ultra marathons. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of that motivation to, to follow your passion, what, mm-hmm. what do you think inspired that in you? Why, why did you um, resist the kind of the right thing the to do? The status quo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I moved out West and I had made, I made it into George Brown and Seneca College for fashion and arts, but I came out here with the reserves in 1990. And I, I and in your words, um, <laughs> I want to get this right. Uh, <laughs> a steamy affair with a military man <laughs> brought you to the West Coast, and and this might be a little uncomfortable with your daughter in the room. And you no, it's her father. Could, could you go get <laughs> a drink. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's <her> no. It's, <laughs> She's heard this story. <laughs> she's heard it. She's, she's so excited she, to hear it again. <laughs> she, she witnesses all this stuff. Yes, I did. I I uh, I came out here and I had every intention of going back. But then right before I was to leave, I met him and Game I kissed him. And that was it. That was it. I was hey? like, oh, that's my husband. Wow. Yeah. 
That's how John and I started. <laughs> that the is a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the feel of his beard on your face, yeah, Andrew. It was. He's like, it's a game changer. Yeah. It's a, he's transported me. I'm here. Oh now. my god. No, but just that instant connection. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's uh, that's great. Yeah. And it, mm. I mean, it went against everything that my parents wanted for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and I I paid for that. Mm. They didn't come out and dote on me or anything like that. And when I had the babies, I had them by myself. And, you know, I, thankfully I, I had had, I'd established decent relationships, but it was very difficult to do that kind of stuff without my mom, for sure. Like, do parents know what's best for their kids, ultimately? No, no. You know, and, and really that wasn't a leading question at all. I'm just yeah. kind of reflecting on like as a parent myself, it's just, it's so easy. That's a default. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I know what's best. You know, I've seen you since you're, you know, yeah. I've seen you grow up. I know who you are. You don't even know who you are. You know, <laughs> this is what you need to do. And it's like, but dad, yeah. no, that's mm-hmm. my heart saying something else. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Allow, allowing your kids to be who they are is probably the most courageous thing you could ever do as a For human. Sure. Yeah. And and there's a lot of pitfalls in all of that, right? Mm-hmm. But when you let them be who they are, then they always come back to you. That's mm-hmm. what I found with my own sons. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't tell you how beautiful it is that they still come home. Mm-hmm. You know, they need home, and they need to see myself and my husband and, and their little sister. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, we've got nothing else going on, but at least we have that, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. <laughs> everything else is a shit show, but we've got that. I, I wanted to ask about that decision-making process, and we are all faced with challenging decisions mm-hmm. at times in our lives. So, if you were to provide any advice or perspective on how to weigh the different decisions and, and which one to go with um, from your own experience or, or from just things that you've learned. What kind of advice or, or feedback might you give? Hmm. Do you like follow a process or is it instinct, intuition? Instinct. Yeah. Intuition and just usually the opposite of what everybody right. <laughs> expects. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a challenge for my husband, for sure. For sure, yeah. but I think instinct and intuition probably are two of your greatest tools as an artist, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all I have. Mm-hmm. So I wish I could do so much more, but all I know is that avenue of trust. And and it's it's so natural for me artistically that I use it everywhere. In, in our life and it doesn't make sense but I know eventually it'll sort itself out mm. yeah mm-hmm. it can be quite maddening I imagine for people looking from being outside looking in but yeah you wrote on your website um, I am one of those people that's inner child gets to run rampant through their existence <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that applies here and, and if you could elaborate on that a little bit that might be fun I just think the benefits of joy and laughter and dancing and being an idiot are underrated, you know, Absolutely. letting loose and having fun. And thankfully, my whole family is hysterically humorous uh, with a 
big touch of dark humor because we've had to endure some pretty crazy shit. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. we had someone recently who said it takes more vulnerability and courage to hang out in joy than it does in pain. Mm-hmm. And, and that really yeah. connected with me. Yeah. Do, do, why do you think that is? Or do you think that is? Because it's, it's, I mean, oh my God, at this time right now, mm-hmm. it's so easy just to hang out in sorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's, it was, it was bad enough before COVID came, right? It was hard enough before COVID came. I don't know about you guys, but mm-hmm. in our life, um, we had a super close friend that, uh, son was molested by another one of our friend's husbands. And then that child took his life in oh. September. And that was, mm. I thought that that was the, the gravest darkest level that we could hit and then everybody kept getting hit Mm -hmm. the the losses the deaths just kept going and it's like life is waiting for no one so if you can't find something even a little nugget of joy to just hang on to and and keep you well and sane and all of this that's our that's our job right now every day get up and find something to smile about because it's way too easy to cry Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, I had a question that um, that I wanted to ask you, and now might be the the appropriate time. Do you find that art creates healing, or do you find that pain creates art? Hmm. I think it's both. Yeah, that's a good. One. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's how I can get through everything, and yet I it, it's a it's a it's a two way. It's both ways, actually. Yeah, like you, you can, it's how you transmute your pain, but it also can heal you at the same time, right? So like a sense of catharsis. Mm-hmm. It's very cathartic. It's a deep well. Pain. It's a deep well that's like never satiated. Mm-hmm. That's the tricky bit. No. Because there's always something to do. But would you want it to be satiated? Mm, no. No. Well, what is it? Was it Michelangelo that, that said the famous quote about like, I never finish. I just stop. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talked yeah. about his sculpture, I just stop. The paintings know? say when they're done. Right. right. And you can fuck it up completely with one bad line. Like right. if you go at it when the painting's like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And you're like, no, 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 just one little, this mm-hmm. little. And then you, oh no, I just <laughs> ruined the whole painting. And that's a metaphor for life, yeah. really. Yeah. Right. And it's, stop when life when life says stop. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Well, and that relationship with perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, how did you overcome that as an artist? Because I it, had four children. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can walk over messes, and I can choose creativity over cleanliness in a heartbeat. To <laughs> again. Like my husband's French Canadian, and and he would wish that I could be just like a tad more anal, but mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They just they they force me to see what's truly important the whole way, the whole way. And I think that if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have tried so hard. I wouldn't have worked so hard. It was still. It's not like it was easy. Things don't come to you. If you're not willing to put in the hours and the work, nothing's going to show up for you. Nothing owes you anything. You have to show up. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I love I love you speaking about how art manifested for you as a bit of an escape. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I reflect on my own consumption of art, like I'm not an artist at all. In fact, it's it's I, I may have like a dysfunction. I'm so terrible. <laughs> we play Pictionary and my family's like, what is that? And I was like, that was a dog. And they're like, what? John, like, I'm terrible at Pictionary. Just to make you feel yeah, because you don't because you really take too much bad. time, right? I'm just you're like yeah. no, I gotta shade that. I gotta <laughs> gotta, gotta get not that even, just perfect. Not even that. It's just if if I'm gonna draw, I'm gonna be in my studio. Yeah, Why would I no. waste time playing a game with you guys? <laughs> I agree, but and so I, I can't make art, but like I'm an avid consumer of it. Mm-hmm. And and when I go to art, whether it's like film or or just to go stare at a painting, mm-hmm. it's because I want to be transported. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not that I'm even thinking that. I want to be transported, so I'm going to push play or mm-hmm. I'm going to go into the studio and stare at this painting. It's just like I am transported in that moment and I can't even fully explain why. Mm-hmm. So a line or a scene resonates with me and perhaps not with Angie. A painting, we were just talking about this yesterday. We were walking around Duncan and looking at some of the paintings and I was like, boy, this one really speaking to me. And she's like, it does nothing for me, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, that's great. That's mm-hmm. fine. But she's like, this this one really. And it's just like, there's mystery there mm-hmm. right and 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 i just wonder if you can maybe talk to that a little bit like what is why is that that way is it is it it's not you're not supposed to be affected by everything mm. that's around there is discernment right and i think that you will get woken up when you're meant to be awake mm. and that the right pieces always show up the right people always show up at the right time yeah at the perfect time yeah right so something you saw perhaps 10 years ago would just been like... Nothing, and then you walk by and it flattens oh, you. Oh, wow. How mm-hmm. have I not seen that before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Life is like that. It is, yeah. Yeah, and psychedelics help with that too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah. Not actually in the studio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. How did you first begin... Uh, begin that journey to be open at all to to the war on drugs <laughs> my second son jacob had been sitting in uh, an iowa ayahuasca circle for some time and he didn't he didn't push me because i, I don't think you should push anybody into anything at all no like if this if psychedelic med- medicine doesn't call for you then stay away from it because it's not going to help you but there is so many levels to the healing that I have to endure for MS. And it was a good place to start. It was a really good place to start. So um, after I had healed up from my hysterectomy, it, it had been like a year, I think, I let I let time go because I had had an hour-long seizure as well that Enya helped me survive. And, oh, wow. and then a, a mini stroke as well on uh, Valentine's Day. A few years after that, sorry, mm-hmm. and um, I I just felt it was time, and so I I got two of my closest friends to come into a circle with me and mm-hmm. and went through it. And the thing with um, any of the plant medicines is they're not going to give you anything that you don't need. So for some people, you don't get any visuals at all, and. I, I did get quite a, a lot of the kaleidoscopic stuff, which mm-hmm. 
I didn't appreciate at the time because it was my first experience not being in control. Yeah. So I really didn't appreciate no. that. And I did not appreciate the purging aspects of it either. Yeah. But I kept with the thought that everybody that I, I had spoken with um, said, it's really hard, Coco, but you'll really appreciate it when it's over. And I mean, you're just begging for it to be done. <laughs> I was begging. It's just like it, when the medicine first hit, I remember like we were only there for for 15 minutes and I was like I think I could crawl home. I think <laughs> I think if I crawl, if I started crawling now, I could get there. And my best friend Erin was was on my side. She's like, "Okay, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It'll be okay." And I'm like, "This is going to be fucking terrible. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be terrible." So did you feel some dread? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I felt I felt some some definite dread. And it was you know, it's fun it's funny how like MS is right in my face and still I don't there's times I just don't want to look at it and, and that my first sit was all about MS and where it came from and my grandfather was on my grandfather's line and then he he was like my aunt Monique who was in spirit, um came with my grandpa and I wasn't close to my grandpa he was very very difficult to me he was a stern man I know he loved me but he was a very stern man and it was his son that I had I endured the sexual abuse from Mm -hmm. so I was really disappointed when he showed up but he showed up to help to say thank you for doing this work like Mm -hmm. he was just so grateful I was willing to go through this and get the work done for it you know, and and it's not that I don't I didn't forgive the family or anything like that. The way that it went about wasn't wasn't very good. wasn't very helpful for me. What did you learn about MS in that first sit? You that, said oh, um, you were the, forced to deal. Yeah, you know, I was forced to deal them. with it. They said you can you can call it. Uh, or Mother Ayahuasca said very clearly clearly to me, you can call it the MS. You know, like because all the spirit had ways of, of dealing with things aren't helpful. You can call it the MS until you actually own that it's what you're dealing with. It's going to just ravage you. Mm. So you better fucking face it. Mm. <laughs> and she didn't swear anything. She was really, no. really beautiful, really compassionate, really lovely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to sit with. And yeah. I just felt like, I, I couldn't actually move after the ceremony was over. And um, one of the ayahuascaros had asked me if, you know, are you okay? And I mean, I was like, how the fuck am I going to get home? Like, I can't move my body. It, 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 it can be very incapacitating. It does to me anyhow. Like, it makes it very hard for me to, to walk. And do. It's, already, it's tricky to, you know, make my body listen already. And I'm very strong and I've re... I've relearned so many things over and over and over again. But yeah, it's you kneel down to the medicine for mm-hmm. sure. One thing that came up for me um, was part of a conversation we had many moons ago on this podcast about healing ancestral trauma. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if that is something that, that you can relate to. It it, it seemed like it, it came up in that mm-hmm. experience. In, in that one. And I think that um, in the one that I've just come from on friday that's exactly the goings-on that happened the 
what came up was the mother wound. And um, I mean, I was shown very specific instances in my life uh, where I was still holding the things that I'd long forgiven, long forgiven. And they're, they're the, the guides and um, the ancestors were like, yeah, you forgave them, but you don't actually talk about it honestly like it really hurt you. Like you were an extremely intuitive child and everybody always talked you out of the things that you knew from the time you could walk. And that that's a detriment. You know, that's probably one of the biggest full pause that that parents do when they say, oh, it's just your imagination, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. because a lot of what children can perceive is that we see the truth. And when you constantly get told that that's actually not the truth, you start doubting what actually is reality. And then you and then you just suffocate and bury those those hurts. And as um, as it was getting undone in me. I thought it was done. Like I, I saw the star people, you know, take the take. They took it away, and then the the female beautiful shaman and her assistant um, Meg and Helen. I just can't thank them enough. Like it was such a profound, beautiful, insightful night. That it's just was so full of humility. I can't. I can't even. It almost sounds like maybe the job of the plant isn't to take things away but help you face them is mm-hmm. that, absolutely is that yeah accurate? i think that if you can actually be seen in yourself you can heal anything yeah like i i confronted things that were so intense and and it made me laugh because i i, I thought our souls are so magnificent what the fuck are we afraid of mm-hmm. we have nothing to be afraid of nothing Nothing. Well, the problem is, is our souls have nothing to be afraid of, but our egos do. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and well, then, so there's that part of us that's like, that's the part that's like so clingy and mm-hmm. and wanting to be in control mm-hmm. and, and, you know, terrified of yeah. that, you know, unequilibrium and all that kind letting of stuff. Go. What, what, letting what go. What will happen if you let go? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. An, an interesting thing came up for me when you said that, John, about... Um, ayahuasca allowing you to to face things mm-hmm. um because the the common perception of drugs and and a lot of the reasons that people have turned to drugs throughout history is is to numb and mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. to, to put push the pain away mm-hmm. yeah, so point. the illustration of of plant medicine mm-hmm. al- allowing us to face those is is like there's it's, an interesting dichotomy there but i i also think that everything has changed in how we ingest the medicines as well right you know like 30 years ago or 40 years ago 50 years ago people were just getting wasted with them yeah they weren't they weren't using it intimately and intuitively to sit with their suffering they were trying to escape their suffering and Mm -hmm. i can tell you that there's no way i could be under the influence of any plant medicine and be near anyone who i didn't give birth to or wasn't my closest people it just the thought of doing that and going to a rave or a party yeah, <laughs> is yeah. just the most scary thing that Sounds you like could ever do to yourself. Yeah. yeah, set and settings, everything. Yeah, for sure. How how would you okay. say um, plant medicine has changed your relationship with art and with creating art? I can see where my where my art comes from now. Hmm. I mean, I always knew 
there was very specific things in my work that were different than everybody else's work and now i see um i see that i really see how different and alive my paintings are you know i, I know with every art form there there's a part of it that's just you just play as mm-hmm. they say you know like you you look at an amazing pianist and and they're not thinking about every key they're pushing down right they're just lost in it but mm-hmm. at some point they did have to mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so i wonder are you at a point where you just you do, i just paint like i just you're not or are you are you is there a part that where you're still sort of standing back from the easel and being like hmm i usually I, ask Anya. yeah yeah i get her bring in another perspective yep not her dad not right. Ricky. He's not welcome <laughs> in the creative process. No, no. I've long, I've long since outgrown uh, the need for approval from my partner because I, he can't touch what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I can't, I can't build homes like he does. I wouldn't dare go in and and tell him that. And it's just, you know, I've put in the time. It's like I've been training a really, really long time for this. So. And the thing is, is that the the sacred or the spiritual kind of terrifies him too. Whereas Anya is very used to it because it's just a part of how I've explained to her how to do things. Whereas with him, he'd rather not know that. Like he'd rather just me do a pair or something, you know, <laughs> like apples or pears or something like that. Every artist goes through that yeah. stage, right? Yeah. Just painting fruit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> What's extraordinary, actually, um, just just on a relational level, is I, I know you talk about Ricky is the absolute love of your life, mm-hmm. and yet um, on something that's so integral to who you mm-hmm. are and how you relate to the world, he doesn't see it that way, and mm-hmm. yet you're still so connected and stuff. How is that possible? Um, like you see people he, split up for much yeah, yeah, shallower yeah. things than that. Yeah, no. I I just deeply love him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it other than I know his faults, but I see his kindnesses so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And he just shows me what he can be incredible without anybody ever knowing it. Mm. And whereas I'm, I'm a little bit more yappy. (laughs) Look at me, look at me, you know, like he, he's, he's a solid, good man. Mm. He's a solid, good man. And, and I saw that in ceremony as well like Mm. i just saw how completely different we are and yet he's he's just a decent human he 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 sees the good in everybody Mm -hmm. like you know he will not let you talk ill of anyone he always sees the good in people and he's a good dad to the children and yeah and the thing is is that he he insists on his independence which has given me mine like we are we both need take up a lot of space and we both need a lot of yeah, space too. I think that is crucial. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Andrew and I have talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Just we're fiercely independent and have our own passions, but, but fiercely dependent at the same time. Mm-hmm. That balance is like, mm-hmm. I think the ticket. And, yeah. And COVID has thrown that into whack for a lot. Of <laughs> oh <questions>. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, <laughs> I love you, but I don't want to spend that out of my space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Coco, you mentioned the, creative process a couple mm-hmm. minutes ago and i was wondering where you look to for inspiration or how do you get into that zone of creativity for me so much of it is intuitive that i usually see paintings outside myself before they even begin or i 
I get a hint of what I'm supposed to be working on, usually from the moment I open my eyes in the morning. Wow. Oh, I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I'm supposed to finish that one. Oh, I need to deal with that. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's funny. Um, when I've, when I, I've been in qu- three ceremonies this year because I really need the extra, extra oomph to get through these times. And um, each time they're showing me more of what I I will end up doing, but I'm like, as long as I can paint wrappers, <laughs> I'll do anything for spirit, you know, as long right. as I can still love my rap music so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you bring up music, and I know music is, is a huge um, yeah. love and part part of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does that kind of speak to your experience and, and your art? presence I don't music. think that anybody would be creative without a musical influence and the thing is my my gentle Anya she and fierce Anya she's, <laughs> she's a force in herself but um, even our music lists are so different that we'd have to put on our own headphones to you know like what she loves to paint with I'd be like oh god yeah. no I need something, <laughs> you know, she's sentimental and, and, uh, likes calming music. Whereas I need the opposite to help mm. me get going. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. But I, I am 50. Like when I was 20, I needed lovely music too. <laughs> yeah. I'm 50. I need a hand. <laughs> How did you get into painting rappers? Like who was the first rapper that you're like, I need to, this was is it Jay- to be a thing. I think it was Jay-Z. I don't know. I just, I've been doing, um, like mixed media portraits and and oh well I wanted to show that um all of my mostly all of my portraits are black and white the faces whether they're white people or black people they're always black and white um faces and them with really colorful backgrounds but I wanted to just show that it's just tints tones and shades that are different between mm-hmm. the color of our skin it's nothing mm-hmm. more like and I can't get over how gorgeous people's faces are and how it's always a, a surprise to really study people's faces. It, like, I, I find that humans are beautiful, mm-hmm. really, really beautiful. Yeah, so I, don't, I, I can't remember what exactly started, I know. And, and then when I started painting the, like, I, I would just do pocket portraits because I wasn't feeling very good. So I do smaller work when I when I have to lay down a lot more, and then bigger pieces when when I'm better. But um, I still need to do a lot of work, actually. That that reflection on skin color mm-hmm. uh, brings to mind the probably what's obvious to us in the room right now um, with what's going on in our world and systemic racism that's being brought to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of discussions about that as as we record this in the middle of June in 2020 here. Mm-hmm. Um, how has the movement that's going on right now affected your perception of the art or has it confirmed what you already knew? How has that it, played out? Um, it makes me feel like I need to kind of silence myself and let other let the black artists kind of step forward. Um, like to do... I did paint George Floyd and I just did mm-hmm. a, a giveaway um, in that they people just needed to show me proof whether like that they have supported some kind of Black Lives Matter um, like 
in Canada or the States or wherever. I didn't really care what they did or how much they did as long as they, they did that. And then I gave the, I just um, drew for the, um, the painting, mm-hmm. found a home. But I think it's going to be more of that and just like kind of behind the scenes and let them step forward and say what needs to be done because I really don't think we have a clue what no. they go through at no. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hence the need for listening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of well-meaning you know, white people like to talk about how guilty they feel mm-hmm. and how and all that kind of stuff. And and I, I read this week, you know, someone said that like we don't need your guilt. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're still thinking of it mm-hmm. from you're still making it about you, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need that. You yeah, know, great. Exactly. You feel guilty. We need change. We need to start changing the system, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. That, that you're benefiting from, by the way, and mm-hmm. you're able to feel guilty within that system. <laughs> yeah, guilt so, doesn't exactly inspire action. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah not at all. No. It can kind of immobilize you. Mm-hmm. 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 So, do you find when you're when you're you get you get that image, kind of going back to your process a little bit, mm-hmm. you get that image of a painting, and you can't not paint it. It's just mm-hmm. like almost like the muse has called you to paint it and mm-hmm. you're just in the hands. Like, you know, as mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield talks about in the war of art. Mm-hmm. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. It just talks about how we, that compulsion where we can't not do it. Mm-hmm. The muse, we inhabit the muse and it, and it creates what it needs to create in the world. Do you find that that process is when you're done, it's you're exhausted for like a couple of days. Like it just took everything or it, it is, takes a lot. Yeah. I it takes wondered. a lot for me. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, my son, August, sometimes he, he's like, well, mom, like all you do is stand there and go like this, <laughs> right, right. right? How hard is this? And he's, he's just motioning like a, yeah. a brush in front. But I think I put so much of my being into, That's... into the work itself. And it, it is exhausting, but I think that you still have to, if you're not inspired, you have to still stand in front of the easel and at least prime your canvases or I mean, this isn't something that I do often, but you should probably clean your studio. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. if you're not feeling inspired, get the studio cleaned right. and be, you know, begin again. It's not, the muse isn't going to wake you up and make you do anything. You have to do the work. And then it'll you show have to up. do the work. And yeah. if you're lucky, it shows up. Right. And if, if it doesn't show up, you still have to do it. Mm-hmm. Still got to do the work. Mm-hmm. Still got to prime the canvas. Still got to prime the canvas. That's a great still metaphor. Still got to put yeah. the put the hours on the trail you know yeah, still sure. gotta do that um we are beginning to get to the end of our our time here it feels um, like we just started i know, I know. every this conversation is, is like this that is with so us. lovely yeah this, this is wonderful. really great you guys thank you so much yeah. for letting me be a part of this totally yeah. no you you are this in, yes in this moment um one one more question that i had though was um how would you like your art and what you've created to be remembered hmm that people look at it and they get healed Hmm. that Mm -hmm. there's no question that what i do has been a contribution to healing Hmm. that just you know by maybe your wife walking by a painting she has an epiphany to do something really beneficial for her being yeah and that's going to be so different for everybody right mm -hmm. the healing they need in that moment yeah yeah, and not an invasive way, no. just uh, an open and honoring way. Maybe like the plant, the art can call to the mm-hmm. to the person, right? At mm-hmm. that at the right time, mm-hmm. and then it can 
have the breakthrough mm-hmm. that yeah. it needs. Hmm. Cool. Well, this is this has been a ton of fun. I <laughs> I just wanted to offer um, or or invite you to. Um, if you'd like provide any final offerings or gifts to to our listeners who are who are out there right now and because we got some yeah, gifts today. yeah you brought us <laughs> you brought us some pieces of, of your work and that we are extremely grateful for that um but yeah any anything else to to offer for those listening right now just keep going keep going don't give up it's hard for everybody it's hard for us all right now just don't lose sight of your dreams. They're just a little bit suspended at the moment until mm. we can sort through this and have faith in each other. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> and um, yeah, we look forward to continuing this conversation and, and seeing what gets created next. Yeah, because I swear it feels like we just began this conversation. <laughs> so we, we do need to continue this at some point. So you bet. Thank mm-hmm. you for driving I'm the not hat. Not going anywhere. So And bringing your navigator today. Yeah, my co-pilot. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Anya Pena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love to you both. Encourage to you both. As you keep expanding this beautiful platform, you're going to do just amazing. I know it. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You bet. And that's the episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to continue the conversation, you can find us at all the usual places. ObstacleCoursePodcast.com. We're very active on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Obstacle Course Podcast. And speaking of Facebook, we have a great new growing community called the Obstacle Course Community that you can join, dialogue with Andrew and I and your fellow listeners about the previous week's episode and any obstacles you're dealing with. And we do appreciate reviews, whether it's on iTunes, Google, Facebook, whatever. It helps people find the podcast. And it has nothing to do with our fragile egos. Well, uh, you know, we just like to hear back from great people just like yourselves. Thanks for listening, everybody. Keep pushing through those obstacles.